Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast pottering around Dumbledore's cryptic advice of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles <laughs> who also feel the need to, when in doubt, go to the library. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? Doing great, Sarah. Quite well. Um, I, I do thoroughly appreciate that that we do give weird advice and that is 100% on brand. <laughs> Yeah, we, we know how your life should be lived uh, and choose to tell you in ways that you may or may not suss out. Yeah, as is expressed in this chapter, we have a highly individual way of running things. <laughs> but we do have some segments that we usually adhere to. Yes, we do. Uh, we have a rapid fire recap, um, which I'm hoping that I can do in my allotted time, if not faster, Spencer. Um, and then mm-hmm. we have some BJ's wizard wheezes, which I'm interested to, to hear what you're going to make of this chapter, <laughs> BJ. Um, <laughs> Newbie's notes from Spencer, we award house points, and then uh, there are questions and, and queries that get more and more difficult to dodge as we get closer <laughs> to the ends of these books. All right, we have a game plan, and uh, your target for this episode is one minute and 47 seconds to make up for the points you lost to Ravenclaw last round. Best of luck. Well, we'll see what happens. Before I get started, though, we should probably mention that we are on Chapter 14 of uh, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Cornelius Fudge. Not so much a dessert this time. I was glad to see that my assumption this was a character was proven correct. Stop messing with my brain, BJ. Uh, Spencer, do you have the clock ready? Clock is ready to go. Okay. Harry, Ron, and Hermione are very concerned about the possibility that Hagrid opened the Chamber of Secrets 50 years ago and decide to take a wait-and-see attitude, particularly because there haven't been any more attacks and it looks like the Mandrakes are coming along for a cure. In the meantime, the second years have to pick what new subjects they'll be studying next year. Hermione signs up for everything. Percy offers Harry some pompous advice. Harry and Ron just sign up for the same classes. Harry's uh, preparing for the next Quidditch match, but gets a nasty shock when Neville tells him that someone has broken into their dorm room and gone through all of Harry's things. Nothing seems to be missing except Riddle's diary, and only a Gryffindor could have gotten into the room. Right before the Quidditch match, Harry hears the voice again. Hermione, infuriatingly, has has a realization that she doesn't share because she has to go off to the library. So McGonagall takes off for the match where, or sorry, Harry takes off for the match where McGonagall is waiting to send everyone back to their house, common room. She corrals Harry and Ron and takes them to the infirmary. There's been a double attack. A Ravenclaw girl and Hermione have been found petrified with a hand mirror next to them. New rules are put in place and students are on lockdown. So this is the perfect time for the invisibility cloak. Harry and Ron sneak out at night to see what Hagrid knows. And Hagrid is a mess, meeting them at the door with a crossbow. But before they get any information, Dumbledore shows up and Harry and Ron hide under the cloak. Especially because Dumbledore is with the Ministry of Magic, Cornelius Fudge. Uh who has come to take Hagrid to Azkaban, you know, as a precaution. Dumbledore has come to register his displeasure. Lucius Malfoy joins the party and drops the news that the school's governors have voted to suspend Dumbledore based on his response to the attacks. Everyone is upset, but Dumbledore leaves with the line, you will find that I have only truly left this school when none here are loyal to me. You will also find that help will always be given at Hogwarts to those who ask for it. Hagrid leaves with advice apparently into the air about following the spiders and feeding Fang. Harry and Ron in the chapter flabbergasted. Impressive. Uh, yeah, you're like, you're like 25 seconds there. You're like, Ooh. damn. That was well I done. I am house point winner of the day and will not be told otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> no competition. Done. Whew. Um, and I think I hit the salient points. We are in another one of those chapters where we are kind of all over the castle over the course of this chapter. 
Yeah, it's a lot of jumping. Yep. Uh, trying to get as many things in as possible before uh, the part of the books that the, the plot happens in actually start <laughs> happening. Yeah, um, no, we... Um, did pacing, not really a thing <laughs> in the <laughs> Harry Potter universe. Uh, BJ, what do you have for us this week? Um, so I don't really have any wordplay because there just really isn't a lot in this chapter. Um, but I do have a realization that as I've, we've been sort of reading this slowly and I have time to a little bit more digest the books than I had when I was just reading them for pleasure and just really quickly going through them. Mm -hmm. And that is, I can't decide anymore if J.K. Rowling is my favorite author of all time or one of my least favorites (laughs) of all time, because there are certain things that are just so amusingly lazy that I relate to them in, in such a visceral manner. Okay. Can you give us an example, please? We have no idea what classes Ron and Harry signed up for. No, we because, don't. Because no. why take notes? Like, because if, if she had said what classes that they had signed up for, she would have to remember that for the next book. But and why not just introduce it in the next book? Exactly. And so instead of having anything, she basically introduces two classes and then it's just like, yeah, whatever. But like, no one is interested in those classes. Hermione is taking everything so I can just make everything up basically as I go along. Genius. Yeah. Um, Maybe it has something a little bit to do with this, like, a weird narrative voice that you have talked about before, uh, BJ, because we're, like, sort of in Harry's head, except not really, but Harry doesn't seem to care what classes he's taking. Yeah, I I, I think the narrative voice that we have is um, kind of like when you play a third-person role-playing game, where there is a main character, but you sort of have a lot of other information as the person playing the game. And mm. so mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, you have other information, but you don't know everything else. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. So so the other things that that I have to, to comment on um, is, so, so I think there's a theme to these books, and I'm very curious to see if this is a recurring theme or it ends at some point. And I'm going to, to describe this as Latabras Pandit Machina, which is, Basically, hiding is going to reveal the plot because pretty much every time that like something needs to happen, Harry goes, oh, wait, I have an invisibility cloak. And basically, this is going to magically put me at the right place at the right time to find out a lot more about what I should be doing to advance the plot in this book. And that's sort of how the books have so far continued, which is a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff's going on that we have no idea what's going on. Oh, yes, here's an invisibility cloak that works against everybody except Dumbledore. Dumbledore is going to like low key t- tell us like, "Oh, here's how you should be using it." And then we end up finding out a bunch of stuff that like the main characters need to do to advance the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, which I find very very funny. <laughs> um, it I guess it's not quite Chekhov's gun, but like almost. <laughs> yeah, to be determined if this uh, if this continues. It is a handy little object to have. Um, and with that, I, I will turn it over to Newbie's notes. Okay. Uh, I totally don't believe Hagrid actually has any involvement in anything associated with the Chamber of Secrets. But when they say that Hagrid would totally, if 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 Hagrid was aware of the beast, he'd totally try to befriend it and make it a pet. Yeah, yeah, he would. <laughs> Absolutely. I have no doubts at all. Don't think he has, but he would. No question. Uh, as for whether they should go and talk to Hagrid, because someone, of course, always has to broach the idea that they do the smart thing and talk to other people. 
Yes, dear God, yes, they should. If these characters would solve so much, if they would just go out and talk with each other without being afraid of what might result from doing and so. And it's also... Because not doing... And it's mm-hmm. also not like Hagrid would be one of those people that, A, either gets them in trouble for, like, trying to find out information that they're not supposed to have, and B, isn't reticent about sharing all sorts of information that they probably shouldn't have anyway. Right. BJ, as you explained it, it's very true. This plot is driven by what information they can surreptitiously acquire. That is a direct result of them being unwilling to just ask people for that information. So having having decided we can't go the direct route, we now have to hide to acquire what we probably could do the same damn way, much more straightforwardly. And some characters Uh, being like, are there any questions you want to ask me to gain more information on your quest? And they're like, no. We're going to hide in a corner and hope we overhear it. No, no, no. We would much prefer if you not spoon feed it to us. Instead, give us cryptic riddles involving spiders. That's what works for us. Uh, Not even so much cryptic riddles, just instructions. Yeah, follow them. See how that goes. Uh, Four months. We now have a date how long these poor people have been paralyzed. Four months. That's a lot. That's bad. Their health is suffering. It's like... I understand that the plan here is let's grow the mandrakes and, you know, use that to make the potion. But can't they import? Can't they buy from some wizarding equivalent of Amazon and have an owl just drop off the potion? I mean, it's a broad wizarding world. Someone had to have mandrakes ready somewhere. Okay. Or is the potion just... So, so hmm? Spencer, you say somebody have to has to have mandrakes ready somewhere. First of all, if you hear them once they're usable, that's super problematic. So you'd have yes. to have them kind of like shut in a box... And there is a somewhat implied mandrake orgy that goes on when they're ready. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like shipping requirements would be a very (laughs) interesting logistic problem. Does the potion lose potency the moment after it is produced? Can't it sit on a shelf for a couple days? There seems like other ways they can be doing this. Again, I don't know how the magic works. But again, four months is a lot. In this world, the parents would have sued already. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think that you hit the nail on the head with the the potency of potions. They are not particularly potent potables if you uh, go down that route, which is why are people brewing potions immediately rather than having especially like somewhat rarer ingredients that seems like you could brew a big batch and then like parcel it out later. Um, it seems like it's it's sort of fresh or nothing or maybe like, the contents will evolve over time and become more unstable or, or whatever. Um, magic mm-hmm. doesn't seem to adhere to any particular rules and they have to deal with that. Anybody who invents like those, the, those last four ingredients that are on every bag of every ingredient list, the preservatives, if anyone can invent those in the magic world, they're going to be a very rich person very quickly. <laughs> uh, class selection brings back just lots of horrible memories from back in college and law school of that horrendous process on the day of fighting with everyone to try to get something that's halfway decent. God help you if you want to get into a P class that's not running or weightlifting. Uh, did Percy did intend to, to make a... Uh, there, was, there was fighting for classes, yes. I, I just really want there to be PE in law school. <laughs> There's, uh, it's, it involves in running school. to your court time. <laughs> P.E. in law school actually was softball with the professors, where the professors are more drunk than you are. That's what uh, P.E. in in UVA was like. Uh, Did Percy intend to make an actual kind of funny divination joke? I don't think he did, but his line of, it's never too early to think about your future, so I'd recommend divination, 
that's funny. That's a lot. I think that is. Everyone I think that is from... a Percy dad joke. Yeah. Again, I didn't expect Percy to kind of make a joke, but that is such funly making fun of the standard thing you always hear from your guidance counselor. If it's never too early to think about your future in this world, divination is the solution <laughs> to that problem. Uh, so funny, and you know, it is pedantic as hell because that's the only way Percy can talk. But he does give Harry some kind of sound advice about trying to play to his strengths and consider his options. It's just. Harry gives two shits about it, so it doesn't really go in. Um, again, it all seems, with respect to whatever plot is involved with this journal, it all seems really, really blatant. Like, if someone wanted to steal the journal, you didn't have to pull, take everything he owns, put it on the floor, and very visibly cut up his pockets. This is just like, I'd like to announce to the world a robbery has occurred. Again, maybe they were in a hurry. Maybe they just felt the need to inflict a certain amount of devastation, but this just feels like you've already assembled the caution police crime scene tape around your robbery before the police even get there, just so everyone's aware what happened. Is this a plot? Are they trying to basically poke all the characters into action? Who knows? Well, you could have find out at some point. Regardless, yes, report the goddamn robbery! Why is this even at a point of debate? Go to your professors and say you've been robbed! Maybe if you're desperate to hide the details, sure, but get a report in some way. Nothing bad can happen from this. Why are you assuming all of your professors mean you ill? <sighs> they keep doing this. It annoys me. Um, I, now have an, I now have an explanation. I think it may be what occurs to Hermione here for why only Harry is now hearing the weird doom guy voice in the halls talking about ripping and tearing. Because mm -hmm. they've given me the tools to deduce what I think this is. It seems like previously when Harry has spoken to snakes, only he can hear it. It's not like it, it's not like somebody else can just hear snake noises and it's, it, um, they, they're able to process that. It's like they don't hear anything, but Harry does. It's almost like a certain degree of, you know, telepathy going on. So now I think that whatever is stalking the halls is snake related just because they've given me enough of a prior bit of information to think that's a thing. I mean, from a literature standpoint, they've introduced this element. They've said Harry has this unique power probably is going to prove relevant going forward and this provides a way of explaining why he's the only one that's hearing this why there is now a snake creature walking the halls talking about ripping and tearing i don't know but again if this was a slytherin beast coming out of the slytherin chamber of secrets snake creature seems like it might be on point it also then kind of blends in well to why hermione then goes and gets a mirror and tries to walk the halls with a mirror because that's straight perseus and medusa right there uh that is the solution you deal with the kind of snake creature that can paralyze you. Luckily, apparently, this one doesn't inflict literally petrification, but it seems that she's try be, uh, trying to be on the, on the right track. Though, flaw in this theory is, it apparently totally didn't work, because she's petrified now. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how that plays out, but I'm now going with snake thing. I'm also starting to back the idea of a Slytherin pogrom, because I know <laughs> it's probably a bit unfair, but, yeah, at this point, they're right. Slyther this is a Slytherin thing. The Slytherin that we've heard from seem totally okay with it. Their freaking password is pure blood. This is not a good house. This is the kind of fraternity that you want to ban from your, un from your university just because nothing good can result from it. So, yeah, let's start. Let's engage in a bit of profiling and assume that Slytherins are either actively supporting this or at least are not opposed to everyone else being hurt by it. Uh, it does raise also questions about, and I'll raise this in questions, but... Is there no kind of magical police force in this world? The Ministry of Magic? Who investigates... Yeah, but who investigates crimes? We've never met police. 
closest thing we've ever met is, you know, Ron's dead. That's not really a police <laughs> officer. He's kind of more like a men in black kind of guy. But we'll get into that in questions. As the most That's authentic what the scene Quidditch teams do on their off season. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think I did do something. Uh, as for the most authentic scene ever yet in this series, the scene of, of blame being assigned to Hagrid and Dumbledore despite lacking, you know, evidence or justification is just straight up perfect politics and how that would exactly play out. Yeah, we don't actually think you're responsible, but we can't appear like we're doing nothing. So we'll blame the guy that we even have the vaguest inkling, or more accurately, the public has the most vague inkling could be responsible. And apparently put him in Azkaban, which... I'm guessing is not a nice or friendly place because nothing in the wizarding world is nice or friendly for just regular people, so I can only imagine what they do to prisoners. It's like, we suspect you of having a pet that you shouldn't. We're going to send you to Alcatraz for holding. Hmm. Yeah, and also, despite the fact you're the most powerful wizarding figure in the world and by pretty much anyone's agreement is the only one preventing this from becoming an even worse disaster, let's remove you with apparently... No plan in place for who's going to replace you, because removing the captain from the ship when you're already hitting the iceberg is a wonderful way to do it. Uh, well, and Lucius Malfoy yeah. does both of these things with a particular amount of, of glee that I think transcends politics. Oh, yeah. His, his justification here is personal satisfaction. Mm-hmm. There's there, This could be actively planting a bomb inside the school, and he would be totally okay with it so long as it kills certain people before it gets to Sounds him. Sounds good. Uh, Dumbledore, of course, knows all. This is a very recurring theme we've had throughout the entire series. Why he doesn't choose to intervene more? Well, as expressed by Lucius Malfoy, he has a highly individual way of running things, (laughs) which is the most accurate way ever of describing Dumbledore's method of running this school. Uh, just as a kind of final point, though, they aren't necessarily wrong when it comes to Dumbledore taking a bit of the blame for this, because it seems like, and we got this kind of from the student's description earlier, the fact that nobody's been hit for a couple months has just kind of led everybody to shrug and go about their business. They would really have wanted to institute this constant patrols of holes thing on like a nonstop basis since the very first attack. Since they had any degree of assumption the Chamber of Secrets was open again. Because they know what happened last time. Again, Dumbledore has a very hands-off approach for running this school. And in this case, it seems like it has been unnecessarily dangerous to the students. Could someone else have done better? Will things be better as a result of him leaving? I'll debate the first one. The latter, on the other hand, well, it seems like everybody thinks it's going to create a void that's going to lead to more devastation and probably literal deaths, and they're probably not wrong. So I'll question his methods, but I won't question the overall role he has. It just kind of presence. He is a fleet in being, even if he doesn't choose to act. And uh, yeah, that wraps up my stuff. I'm going on to, I'm going on to house points. All right. So I think that um, my choices, and you are free to disagree with these, and I will take that under advisement. (laughs) Um, My choices for both winner and loser of house points for this chapter are not students. Fair. (laughs) Students are kind of secondary in this chapter. Yeah, no, this is a very, like, let's spy on the adults chapter. Um, Mm. Clear loser of this chapter is Hagrid. Yeah. Hagrid's going to Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Any day you're going to Azkaban, again, not a good day. Was I right in assuming that Azkaban is a very unfriendly place? This this is not, you know, a jail for the rich and this famous. This is Rikers kind of or... Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not good. We learn a lot about Azkaban in the next book, uh, <laughs> which is titled The Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. Um, but we get a little taste of it uh, with Hagrid going there today, and he, spoiler, not happy about it. 
Um, winner comes from the same scene, having a great day, mm-hmm. doing exactly what he has always wanted to do. Lucius Malfoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's an easy sell right there. It probably could be disastrous long term, but for today, it's all coming up, Malfoy. Within yeah, within the confines of this chapter. Um, I think it's interesting that Hermione got petrified in this chapter, and I am not willing to dub her loser of house points. Mostly because she clearly had a good moment before that, even if we don't know what that was. Yeah, moment of realization, probably a tool that will prove useful in deducing what this is, or maybe even thwarting it. And, you know, we've also heard that the Mandrakes and BJ's words are about to have their orgy of potency, and so she'll she'll hopefully be cured here soon. Um, So, easy chapter for house points. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any quibbles or qualms? Maybe. On on house points or moving on to questions? I was I was on <laughs> I was on house points, but let's go oh. <laughs> uh, straight into quibbles and qualms. You can't delay this. <laughs> in questions. So I have a question that I actually know the answer to, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Which is, who are the governors of Hogwarts? Um, so they are like the boy- board of trustees. Right. Most, no, no, no. I, yeah. I get like oh, okay. what the governors are. Yeah. But who are they? Well, I mean, we don't know. Right. And and so I actually looked up the answer to this question, and it was basically like, well, Lucius Malfoy is one of the governors, and then there were some vague spoilers. But it was mm-hmm. just like a... They're just... Like, the only person that matters is Lucius Malfoy, and it's kind of like, all right, well, we're going to have this them show up and drive plot forward. Um, I think it's interesting that basically there's this group of governors that uh, the only ones that we see are, are sort of a, a Slytherin uh, heavy-handed influence onto Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. Um, and presumably they would be reasonably powerful wizards themselves or at least rich, which seems mm-hmm. to go at least somewhat hand-in-hand in, hand in the wizarding world as maybe the real world that they have some sort of power to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just sort of I guess it's a question that I'm answering myself, and and this isn't that part of the session that we should be doing. But I looked I looked stuff up on on uh, Wikipedia or basically the the fandom wiki to try and like mm-hmm. ask a more reasonable question, and there is no information, which I think is really funny. Um, yeah. But my follow up uh, to this is do. Does anything ever happen in the Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw houses or, like, anything? Because it seems like Hogwarts is, oh, yeah, and they're here, too. Um, yes. Okay. Okay, so a a couple of... Do you mean, like, in their their house common room specifically? Or just, like, are they substantially involved in plot ever? Basically. More, (laughs) are, are they substantially involved in plot ever rather okay. than just sort of like on the sidelines and sometimes play Quidditch. Yeah, I would say um, that Ravenclaw is, we have a couple of characters coming up in future books that who are Ravenclaws that are um, like very involved in the plot. Okay. Um, and then Hufflepuff is always a little bit more in the sidelines, but in the fourth book, um, like the fourth book is a lot about Hufflepuff. Or particular people from Hufflepuff. Um, but then we kind of fall away from, from Hufflepuff <laughs> after that. Um, I also don't think I've said the word Hufflepuff as many times in like a 30 second span. <laughs> and it's um, now sounding supremely weird to me, but whatever. 
Uh, Spencer, I yeah, do have one more question, but I'll turn it over to you first. Yeah, at this point, I think my membership of Hufflepuff is actually now guaranteed an extended lifespan. Because, you know, kind of being removed from the plot almost just seems like a bit of a feature rather than a problem in this <laughs> universe. Because sure. everybody else, you're just kind of in the line of fire while the Hufflepuffs are just happily over there eating cake together. Seems like a wonderful alternative. We, uh, do, find out, me, we do find out later that the Hufflepuff common room are, uh, and, and like the actual house and dormitories are by the kitchens. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> Sold. I'm in. Uh, but I, it was a legitimate question about the issue of, po- of potion potency. I mean, for a potion, yeah. this seems like a very valuable potion that they need to get these people up or whatever concoction that they're about to make. And it's quite rare. I presume that factors in for why they're not so easily able to acquire it. But for potions like this, is it there an element of it has to be used right away or do potions naturally decay over time? It, how does this work about why you can't just store these things for later use or have them land? Yeah, I think um, we there are some potions that can last for longer. We uh, see some of them in later books um, that can be kept for, for years or even decades. But I my impression is that that is actually kind of kind of rare. Um, mm-hmm. I, we never get like a specific explanation about um, about uh, this mandrake based based potion, but it see I don't mm-hmm. there there does seem to be like something intrinsic to the mandrakes themselves and their like planty humanness that would make this potion not last for very long. I don't know if that's the actual <laughs> explanation, um, but. We we really don't see potions being stored necessarily. They seem to be brewed mm-hmm. for individual use. Um, we get some evidence in the next book uh, that there is a, a particular potion, and it's another complicated, very complicated potion, not unlike the polyjuice potion. Although we do see the polyjuice potion being stored at some point, um, but like this this mandrake potion, that uh, we get evidence that just Snape is brewing it fresh every time it's needed. Gotcha. All right. Well, at a certain point, I almost feel like we're hindered in our understanding of magic, particularly potions, because Harry Potter is our view on this universe. Yeah. It's just like, damn it, we had to get a C-minus student that hates potions to be our guide for all this. Yeah. At a certain point, we had Hermione on hand, we would have learned a lot more. Probably more than we wanted to, but... <laughs> we do, I feel like we do we, learn a lot hmm? about how potions work. Not this specific question, but we actually weirdly learn a lot about potions in the... Sixth book. Sixth yes. book. Okay. Uh, let's divide up the weeks on that. Uh, we'll be 40, but we'll get there eventually. Sure. Well, 40, 40 is the potion anniversary. Oh, perfect. I did, oh, I didn't realize that was the gift I was going to get. All right, BJ, you had one more? I do. One for after you. Um, so do wizards actually try and blend in, or is that just like... A complete lie about like not affecting the muggle world and sort of keeping them uh keeping the wizarding world under wraps because we have a high up in the ministry of magic that seems like he was told that muggles wear certain things and then does but like Mm -hmm. with no (laughs) understanding or respect to what muggles actually wear. I mean, it's kind of yes. like, you know, somebody that, that is, you know, rich or a royal personage or whatever, basically asking one of their, uh, you know, footmen or whatever, what do the peasants wear? I need to go out among them, like, say, in England. And it's like, oh, well, it rains often. And so they, ha- you know, often wear hats and galoshes because, you know, they have to be out in the elements. 
And so they put on a hat and some rain boots and wander out naked. And then are just mm-hmm. like, why is everybody looking at me? Yeah. Are, are you su- are you suggesting, BJ, that a pinstripe suit, a scarlet tie, a long black cloak, and pointed purple boots with a lime green bowler don't make him just the most well-dressed man on the street? Um, I think he sounds very snazzy. I would say pimpin'. That, that was kind of like the other way I was trying to decide whether I wanted to take this question. Um, is, is Hogwarts really a drug cartel? And most of what's happening is they're brewing potions, but they're essentially hallucinating the magic. Oh, they're brewing potions, all right. Yeah. Um, well, unclear on the second point, maybe. Um, but your, I think your assessment of how most wizards feel about quote-unquote blending in is spot on. Most of them have been told to do this and don't actually care and don't put in the work to actually really figure it out. Now, I think that's partially a kind of like, don't care, not really gonna do this. And also a partially a a conversation that we've had a couple of times before, which is, um, you know, there are wizards who have to uh, function in the muggle world every day, but a lot of them are kind of like the Weasleys who don't really interact with muggles all that frequently. Um, Except for their dad like well he doesn't i mean he interacts with muggles sometimes but only in this like pseudo law enforcement kind of way to go in and kind of clean up afterwards but they're not they don't go into like muggle shops sure um as far as we know anyway uh i will say that we get a uh very funny scene at the beginning of the fourth book that I will tell you about now where a whole bunch of wizards have been told that they should be trying to blend in and there is one specific uh, Scottish gentleman, I think he's Scottish, it doesn't really matter, um, who is wandering around wearing a woman's muumuu because he has specifically been told that muggles wear these clothes. (laughs) And he likes some air around his privates. So he has decided that this is what he's going to wear. And why did you assume that he would be Scottish? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and he refuses to, uh, to change clothes, which makes me very happy. Okay, then, yeah, Harry's advice about muggle studies being an essential option, uh, I'm with him. Uh, sorry, Percy's advice on that. They all need this as mandatory <laughs> part of their education, because there is clearly a gap here. So I do want to point out, Spencer, you were complaining about them not having math and, and other things like that. We do get a little bit of information about some other classes that they might uh, be able to take that do seem to have some, uh, like, arithmancy mm-hmm. and study of ancient runes. I mean, that seems to lend itself to maybe they sort of vaguely learn math and literature. They sort of sneak it in there under the guise of something else. Yeah. That might be fair. It clearly is not working, <laughs> if that is their objective, to acquire basic level knowledge. But I suppose points forever. Yes. Anyway, sorry, I inter- <laughs> also, interrupted your actual question. Neither Harry nor Ron take arithmancy or runes, so... Of course they don't. <laughs> don't worry, Hermione will teach them teach them these subjects when it proves essential later for the plot. <laughs> All right, uh, my question, my turn, yep. BJ? Uh, yep, yeah, my, my turn too. Is there a magical police force? Uh, who investigates crimes? Who is called in when people are hurt or things are violated? What is the ministry's enforcement arm? So it's a little, my understanding is that it's a little bit diffuse. Um, it, it, 
it kind of goes into the different departments and what they they actually deal with. We were talking a little bit about Arthur Weasley earlier and kind of what he does. Um, And so there's that. But then there is another kind of part of the Ministry of Magic um, who are, uh, or there's there's another um, arm of the Ministry of Magic known as the Aurors. And that's A-U-R-O-R. Yeah, A-U-R-O-R-S. Um, and they're more mm. like the the police people. Um, although they're kind of like, I guess they're kind of more like FBI agents, maybe. Um, because they're like specifically mm-hmm. meant to be catching dark wizards. And yeah. kind of dealing seems, with seems... like the more weighty kinds of stuff. They're not like handing out traffic tickets for brooms. It, it is interesting to me that students have been straight up attacked at the school. Mm-hmm. Several now. And it's an entirely internal investigation matter. You mean like universities normally are? (laughs) At least they have a designated police force, campus police in some way. So Filch. Filch is our... (laughs) God help us all. (laughs) His philosophy is let's line the students up in the hallways and just keep them there all Mm -hmm. night. (laughs) More than they're petrified, the easier they'll be to manage and our cleanup costs will go down substantially. Yeah, it's probably good that he doesn't have magic. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, okay. Let's, we can ponder this out. If he actually had magic, would he be a less bitter, angry person? It depends how close to a squib he was. Like, yeah. if he had a little bit of magic, I feel like he would be so much worse. Mm. Yeah, but if he, he had, a, still... like, a reasonable, normal amount. Like, if he had actually gone to Hogwarts and done the thing. Yeah. He might be a perfectly pleasant person. Well, well, maybe I'm going a little far. No, I know. <laughs> I, 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 I tried to say that with a straight face, and it just collapsed halfway through. <laughs> All right. Uh, any more questions from you, Peter? Uh, no, I think that that's it for uh, this chapter. All right. So next time around, we have chapter 15, which is titled Aragog. Which totally sounds like a Lord of the Rings character. So mm. this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, this has been delightful as always. Uh, yes, quite fun. Um, and the picture, I think, will, will fascinate you, Spencer. It looks like a spider web. And with a little spider underneath, oh god, there's going to be spiders. I don't know if I can. I read mean, this. you say that it looks little, like we have no idea what the size of these things actually is. So, it, if that's the size of the car that they were driving around earlier, yeah, I riot. I'm not. I'm not doing this. <laughs> Wait, and you like Tolkien? I'm confused. All right. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> see you guys next time. Bye, y'all. That's a plan.